growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. When we talked about wives, the statement was something like, submission is not a dirty word. And then when we got to husbands the next week, we said love is not a selfish word. So here's what I want to say today regarding this idea of children being obedient to to your parents. And here's what it is. Obedience is not an obsolete word. A child's obedience. It's not always easy in a culture that promotes individual liberty above pretty much everything else. Certainly, each individual adult or child is precious in God's sight and of equal worth. So why should a child be obedient to his or her parents? If you're a follower of Jesus, there is and should be the desire to do what honors God. And when you place yourself under your parents' authority, when you're obedient to your parents, you honor God. I'm Rick Freeman. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. We've been working our way through the book of Colossians this summer, and we've come to Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and the responsibilities of children and parents in the family. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. As I said a moment ago, our culture promotes individual rights to the extent that a parent's authority in the home is oftentimes challenged. But as we'll hear Pastor Clay explain today, there are some very good reasons for children to submit to their parents. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message. Children. Sometimes I think, uh, can't live with them, can't kill them. Come on, if you've been a parent, have you felt that way at times? Come on. I came across a few of these, uh, these sayings having to do with the uh, children. Uh, this one is, uh, are you, are, and some of you, maybe if you, if you are planning to have children at some point, if you haven't had children yet, and, and maybe you're planning to have children, these, this is a, a test. These are tests. Are you ready to have children tests? You ready to take this test? This, all right, this, for, this is the mess test. Smear peanut butter on the sofa and curtains. Now rub your hands in the wet flower bed and rub on the walls. Cover the stains with crayons. Place a fish stick behind the couch and leave it there all summer. You ready? <laughs> Here's the toy test. Obtain a 55-gallon... <laughs> Obtain a 55-gallon box of Legos. Uh, if Legos are not available, you may substitute roofing tacks or broken bottles. Have a friend spread them all over the house, put on a blindfold, try to walk to the bathroom or kitchen. Do not scream. This could wake a child. Feeding test. Obtain a large plastic milk jug. Fill halfway with water. Suspend from the ceiling with a stout cord. Start the jug swinging. Try to insert spoonfuls of soggy cereal, such as Fruit Loops or Cheerios, into the mouth of the jug while pretending to be an airplane. Now dump the contents of the jug on the floor. (laughs) Um, Dressing test. Y'all ever have to get your kids dressed on Sunday morning? Obtain one large unhappy live octopus. Stuff into a small bag, making sure that all arms stay inside. Grocery store test. Borrow one or two small animals, goats are best, and take them with you as you shop at the grocery store. Always keep them in sight and pay for anything they eat or damage. <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was good. All right. Um, 
How about this? How about this? Parenthood changes everything. How many of you have, uh, have children? Or raised children? Raising children? All right. This, in regards to uh, clothes. First baby, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your OBGYN confirms you're pregnant. Second baby, you wear, wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. Third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just reading it. I'm just reading it. Uh, <laughs> um, the baby's name. You pour first baby. You pour over baby names, baby name books, and practice pronouncing and writing combinations of all your favorites. Second baby. Someone has to name their child after your great aunt Mavis, right? Might as well be you. Third baby. You open a name book, close your eyes, and where your finger falls. Bamaldo, perfect. Uh, preparing for birth. First baby, you practice your breathing religiously. Second baby, you don't bother practicing because you remember the last time breathing didn't do a thing. <laughs> Third baby, you ask for an epidural in the eighth month. <laughs> uh, okay, let's skip some of these. Uh, Worries. Here's worries. First baby, at the first sign of distress, a whimper, a frown, you pick up the baby. Second baby, you pick the baby up when her wails threaten to wake your firstborn. Third baby, you teach your three-year-old how to rewind the mechanical swing. (laughs) Um, Activities. First baby, you take your infant to the baby gymnastics, baby swing, and baby story hour. Second baby, you take your infant to baby gymnastics. Third baby, you take your infant to the supermarket and the dry cleaner. Children. Y'all like those little Johnny stories? Y'all ever hear any of them little Johnny stories? Math teacher saw little Johnny wasn't paying attention in class, and so she called on him and said, Johnny, what are 2 and 4 and 28 and 44? Little Johnny quickly replied, NBC, CBS, HBO, and the Cartoon Network. At Sunday school, they were teaching uh, how God created everything, including human beings. Little Johnny, a child in the kindergarten class, seemed especially intent when they told him how Eve was created out of one of Adam's ribs. Later in the week, his mother noticed him lying down as though he were ill and said, Johnny, what's the matter? Little Johnny responded, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm going to have a wife. (laughs) Uh, All right, last one. Little Johnny's kindergarten class, little Johnny gets around, doesn't he? Little Johnny's kindergarten class was on a field trip to their local uh, police station where they saw pictures tacked to a bulletin board of the 10 most wanted criminals. One of the youngsters pointed to a picture and asked if it really was the photo of a wanted person. Yes, said the policeman, the detectives want very badly to capture him. Little Johnny asked, well, why didn't you keep him when you took his picture? That makes perfect sense. Children. Uh, Anybody that's had any knows that it is a difficult task. Um, If if you've been coming to Cross Culture, you know that we always try and give our parents, uh, parents of children, an option. They're certainly welcome to bring their children into um, adult worship that we have each week. We want them to feel free to do that. Uh, But we have a fantastic children's ministry. We, We really do. We call it C2 kids. And every week, um, 
a very gifted and dedicated and loving group of C2 Kids ministers, and that's really what y'all are that work in that ministry, um, share the truth of God's Word with children at, at a level that, that they can get their minds around and that holds their attention span, and, and uh, they really invest in those kids, and we're grateful for that ministry that goes on week in and week out. But Coral and I talked some uh, this week and, and thought that maybe it might be good to have at least some of the, the, at least the older children, I think uh, preschool above or something like that, uh, in here with us today uh, because of the subject matter that we are dealing with. We've been working our way through the book of Colossians all summer. Y'all remember, right? We're still in chapter 3. I, one of the guys, Ed Alexander, I meet with every week, uh, spend time together. And uh, the other day he said, oh, we're, we've been in Colossians 3 so long. He said, oh, we're going to chapter 4? I said, yeah, we're going through the whole book. He said, oh, I, I forgot that we're going through the whole book. We've been in chapter 3 so long. But in chapter 3... Uh, we've, been, we've moved into that part of the chapter where Paul really, as I said, I think I said last week, really gets down in our stuff. I mean, he really gets into the very stuff of family life, the very stuff of marriage, the very stuff of, of work, and, and all that kind of stuff. And today, we come to a portion of Colossians chapter 3. We'll read verses 20 and 21, although we'll honestly only get to verse 20 today. Um, where he begins to talk about children. So, children, we're glad y'all are in here with us. Thanks for coming. I'm sure you'll be glued to me. Adults, I'm sure the same thing of you. Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 20 and 21 this morning. Uh, text is up on the screen, and if you have a copy of God's Word, please, uh, please open there. Children... Be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Uh, Paul, in these verses where he begins to deal with the family, beginning in verses 18 and uh, really running through the rest of the chapter, through 25, it's stuff that that deals with our everyday life. And... uh, in verse 18 and verse 19, the wives and husbands, and, and now in verse 20 and then in, uh, in verse 21, he really gives these kind of short, um, uh, terse statements. Uh, wives, submit. Husbands, love. Children, submit. They're just, you know, not a lot of explanation there. It's really not until you get to the part about uh, masters and slaves, and, and we'll get to that in a couple of weeks and talk about what all that uh, means, but it's really not until you get there until he gets where he goes into a little more explanation. But up until then, in 18 and 19 and 20 and 21, it's just really, like I said, uh, wives submit, husbands love, uh, children be obedient. We've been walking through and talking about some of those things, giving a little, maybe a little more explanation based on what Paul writes uh, in Ephesians 6 and some other places about that. And I wanted to do that as well today as we talk about children and what the expectations are on them. Children, uh, you, know, I, you know, jokingly said a moment ago, uh, can't live with them, can't kill them. But, you, you know, you do, you, we, you love kids, they're just awesome, and they're even awesomer. <laughs> Children, go tell your teacher tomorrow that that's a real word. <laughs> they're even more awesome uh, when they're your grandchildren. Uh, and I, they just are. Uh, this week, Cindy was teaching our oldest grandson, Wyatt, our real names. And uh, she, she told him, uh, you know, we're, we're called Nani and Poppy. She's Nani and I'm Poppy. 
and uh, to our grandkids. And she says, uh, you know, Nani and Poppy have, have real names, just like you have a real name. What's, what's your name? And he says, Wyatt. And she says, Nani has a real name. Nani's name is Cindy. And he says, Cindy? Yeah, Cindy. And she said, what, what's Poppy's real name? And he said, Babe. Because <laughs> that's what Nani calls Poppy all the time. She calls him a few other things sometimes, but... Hey, here, here's, we've been looking at words, okay? As we've walked through 18, 19, we've been looking at kind of words and focusing on that. When we, when we talked about wives, um, I think the, the statement was something like, um, when dealing with wives, we said submission is not a dirty word. Is that what we said? Yeah, I'm really, I'm just calling that for a dirt, Submission is not a dirty word. And then when we got to husbands the next week, we said love is not a selfish word. We talked about that and what all means by love and what God actually means by love versus what we... Men may sometimes think love means or, or whatever else. So here's what I want to say today regarding this idea of children being obedient to, the, to your parents. And here's what it is. Obedience is not an obsolete word. Uh, by the way, there's an outline on the back of your uh, information sheet. We came in. If you'd like to take notes, feel free to do so. But obedience is not an obsolete word. In verse 20, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter to the church in Colossae, giving these short statements at this point, says, Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Um, This uh, word, uh, well-pleasing, same word that's used in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where it's talking about what's acceptable to God, you know, where we're called to be this living sacrifice, all stuff in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And he said, what is acceptable to God? It's really the same word that's used here. It's pleasing to God. It's acceptable to God. Being obedient to your, to your parents, children, is pleasing to God. It's honoring to Him. It's not an obsolete word. Um, it's interesting to me that, that Paul uses this term here where he says, where he says be obedient to your parents. Because based on the culture in which Paul wrote this, that was kind of a given. Um, in, in the world in which, uh, the day in which Paul wrote this letter, children, as wives, and I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, uh, women, uh, were sometimes treated as second-class citizens. And it's not that children weren't loved, and there, there were cultures that, that greatly prized children, endeared them, loved them, the Jewish culture, uh, you know, was very protective of children, very loving of them. But oftentimes in the culture overall or in the Roman culture, <clears throat> children were, were, were loved by parents, I'm sure. And not everybody was like this. But, but overall there was kind of an idea in culture that part of the value or the worth of children was the fact that they were going to be another set of working hands. Uh, it, was, it was what was referred to as an agrarian society, an agricultural society. And as, as early as it was possible... Uh, boys and girls were, were in the fields working or in the home working. And much of their value and their worth came from that. And obedience, quite honestly, it, it wasn't even negotiable. It was, it was demanded. So it's interesting that he gives this statement. Here's the reason, boys and girls. Here's the reason. Remember, Paul's writing to believers. He's writing to followers of Jesus. And the motivation for why you and I do what we do should always be different from the world's. In other words, if, if, if uh, 
a wife submits to her husband, places herself under the leadership of her husband. She doesn't do it, as a, if she's a follower of Jesus, she doesn't do it because he has a right to demand it. He doesn't. She doesn't do it because he deserves it. He definitely doesn't. She does it because she wants to honor God. And so she places herself under the leadership of her husband because her desire is honor to God. Even though she knows that he's a bonehead and is probably going to mess up sometimes, make some decisions, she wants to honor God. Husbands love their wives in a way that causes them to die. And we talked about that last week. You can go back and listen to that message that to, where, they, where they place themselves under their wives by putting her interests, her needs uh, ahead of his A husband does that not because his wife submits or doesn't submit. He does that not because she bakes him a pie or doesn't bake him a pie or works outside the home or doesn't work outside the home. He does that because he desires to honor God. And it has nothing to do with her deserving that. It has to do with him desiring to honor God. And the same thing, children, when it comes to obedience to your parents. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is... And should be the desire to do what honors God. And when you place yourself under your parents' authority, when you're obedient to your parents, you honor God. We live in a culture that fights against the idea of authority and and placing ourselves under authority. Now, Now, don't get me wrong. Some authority needs to be challenged. America came into existence Because we dared to challenge the authority of the British Empire and say that we had a right to to rule ourselves. The civil rights movement of the 1960s challenged the authority of many in positions of leadership or authority who thought they had the right to determine a person's worth based on the color of their skin. That authority needed to be challenged. So sometimes authority needs to be challenged. But somewhere along the way, there began to develop, in America at least, and I really think in in Europe as well, there began to develop this idea that all authority needed to be challenged. All authority should be questioned. Um, Anti-government, free love, uh, it's my life, you don't have any right to tell me how to live it. That type of mentality began to erode away at authority in general. And one of the casualties of that philosophy that says, this is my life, no one has a right to tell me how to live it, and I can live it how I want, that philosophy began to permeate and, and saturate, sorry kids, uh, those are words I probably shouldn't have used, permeate to, it began to get into our culture. One of the ways that I think that it began to seep into our culture, and still is today, by the way, it's through the medium of television. Now, let me look at this. Some of you, not many of you, but some of you are old enough to remember this show. Watch this. Is that you, Beaver? Yes, Mom. Oh, Beaver, I see you're home. Yes, Dad. This is me that's home. <laughs> How was the movie? Well, I didn't go to the movie. You didn't go to the movie? No, sir. I went yesterday when I wasn't supposed to. Oh, is that so? Yes, sir. And I want a racing bicycle with a guaranteed leather seat. And I hit it at Larry's. And I was going to make believe like I won it today. But I couldn't. So that's why I'm telling you what happened. Well, uh, when did you decide to tell us about it? When I was walking the bike home from Larry's. <laughs> yeah, Dad. It's too big for him to ride. Ellie? 
Well, Beaver, I'm glad you decided to tell us the truth. Of course, you realize you can't keep a bicycle you won while you were being disobedient. We'll have to find something to do with the bike. Larry and I already found something to do with it. Oh, you did? Yeah. I walked it back to Larry's house, and then Larry and I walked it down to a church. To a church? Yes, sir. Larry wants something to do with babies in a movie. Do what? We left it on the front steps with a note. Well, I just hope someone nice adopts it. Well, Beaver, I'm, I'm also very glad you realized you couldn't keep the bicycle. But there's still the matter of your being disobedient, isn't there? Yes, sir. Well, I think you'd better stay away from the movies for um, two weeks. Yes, sir. Hey, that was really something what he did, wasn't it, huh? It certainly was. You know, for a little kid like that, a lot of stuff sure goes on in his head. I want that kid. <laughs> in the late 1950s and the early 1960s, uh, Ward Cleaver was America's dad. He was, the, he was the most watched dad on television. And he was a dad that, that kids could, could look up to and, and respect and, and honor and, and learn from. Now, quite honestly, Ward Cleaver was probably a little too perfect to be symbolic of the typical American dad. But at least he was somebody that was, that was an authority figure that, that their children could come to for wisdom and guidance and sometimes discipline. Now, let's see. Who has been the father on television that kids have looked at for the last, say, 20 years or so. Watch this. G-I-F, guys, I'm off to Moe's. But Homer, it's 10 in the morning. Don't worry, I have a plan. I saw this in a movie about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping its speed over 50. And if its speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called the bus that couldn't slow down. Shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy and, and others uh, portray uh, a dad and, and parents in general who are either totally disconnected from their children and hardly even acknowledge that they have them or are bumbling buffoons that basically have to be schooled by their children. Obedience is not an obsolete word. Children, be obedient to your children, for, to your parents. Let me give you a few reasons real quickly this morning uh, why. Number one, it's pleasing to God. Now, this makes sense because we just said it honors God. It's what God desires for us to do. But uh, children, it is, obe- it is pleasing to God when you are obedient to your parents. When you do what they ask you to do, it pleases God. Sometimes we don't always understand why our parents want us to do things. But we always know that when God asks us to do something... It's got to be for our good because God is a, he's a good God, isn't he? I think, uh, I think sometimes people get this idea that God is some sort of a cosmic killjoy that, that doesn't want anybody to have fun in life and that sort of thing. God always has our best interest at heart. And when he tells us to do something, it is in our best interest. And pleasing God is something that you and I should desire to do. Kids, you know, and all of us as parents, we've seen this at times, you ever, the shows or you've read stuff about, you ask children what they want to be when they grow up. 
It would be interesting to go around the room right now if we had time and ask some of the children what they want to be when they grow up. Let me just uh, say this to you, children, and to us as adults. The greatest ambition of your life should not be to make as much money as you possibly can. The greatest ambition of your life should not to be as famous as you possibly can be. The greatest ambition of your life should not to be as, to have as much stuff as you can possibly have. The greatest ambition of your life should be to seek to please God. Because if you please God with your life, it's a good life. I've said that before. Uh, there are two exceptions. I need to say this real quick. There are two exceptions to uh, children being obedient to their parents. It is pleasing to God when we do it, but there are two exceptions, and I need to state them real quick. One of them, uh, which I made mention of when I was talking about wives placing themselves under the leadership of their husbands, one of them is in when, when a, a parent asks you to do something that is outside of the will of God. It's ungodliness. It's, it's ungodliness or outside of the will of God. Just as I said with, with wives... Uh, government, whatever it is, and I mentioned that last week, uh, there's no expectation that you uh, submit to someone who's asking you to do something that is contrary to God's word and God's will, okay? Whether it's lying or stealing, and, and we've all probably seen 2020 and Dateline and all this kind of stuff. It's amazing what parents can, can do to their children. Acts chapter 5, we looked at that verse last week, we must obey God rather than, than men. Second exception, I believe, is when you no longer live under your parents' authority. You're no longer living under their authority. Um, it's, there comes a point when you grow up and you move out on your own, and I mean, you're truly out on your own. You're no longer under the responsibility, the authority of your parents. You're no longer then under obligation to submit in obedience to their desires for your life. Genesis chapter 2. For this cause a man shall leave his father and his mother, shall cleave to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. There's clearly this, this breaking point uh, from when I was with my parents, when I was under their authority, and now I've, this new family unit has started. When you're in a new family unit, even if you're a single person, but you, you've moved out and away, and you're no longer, your parents are no longer supporting you, you've created a new family. And while our parents are always our parents, and we always want to honor them as best we possibly can, but we do not have to submit to them when we've moved out and formed our own family unit. And I'll be honest, through the years in, in, in counseling I've done from time to time, um, there have been issues at times in, in a married couple's life when um, one or both sets of the parents or whatever, that their parents had a hard time uh, letting go of the authority that they have, had had over their children prior to them moving out and forming their own family. And it causes tr- issues in, in their marriage. But it's pleasing to God when we do it. Here's a passage of scripture in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 1. A wise son accepts his father's discipline. And it's children, in, in, generically, you can think of it in general. But a wise son accepts his father's discipline. But a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Look at this one in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. When you place yourself under, under authority to your parents, when you're obedient to them... You're pleasing God. Uh, second reason or motivation. It's helpful for your parents. Can I get an amen, parents? Amen. <laughs> it's helpful for your parents when you place yourself under their leadership, when you're obedient to them. Come on now. Listen, kids, children, I know you, you don't know this at this point, but can I just say 
you have no idea of the pressure and the responsibility that your parents feel for you. You really don't. You have no idea what they go through on a daily basis, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, in raising you. Children, give them a break. Okay? Give them a break. They could stand for you to come up under them from time to time and be obedient to them. And it is a blessing in their lives when you do so. Um, I may, have, I may have told this story before, but when our, when our boys were uh, little, uh, one time they, uh, they were in the garage and they pushed, they put our van in neutral and pushed it out of the, dry, out of the garage enough so that we, are, we had an old uh, Astro van and it had a, a ladder on the back of it. And they pushed it back enough so that the ladder got to the edge of the house, the, the garage, and they climbed up the ladder to get up on the roof. And they got up on the roof so that they could go over to the back, backyard and jump onto the trampoline. Now, we had, a, we had a strict policy against children operating motor vehicles. <laughs> or being on roofs. <laughs> so he's looking out the kitchen window and here they go one after the foo, foo, foo. And that wasn't even the worst part. The worst part was they forgot to put the van back in park. And apparently, it was far, just far enough back where it caught the little hill going down the driveway. And down the driveway, we go outside, and there's our van down. It's jumped, it fallen into a ditch, jumped onto them, gotten hung up on the culvert. Give us a break. <laughs> Children. Hey, look at these passages of Scripture real quick. Uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. Hey, children, kids. Listen, a wise son makes a father glad. But a foolish son is a grief to his mother. Uh, and and it, they, let's just say it again. A wise son makes a father glad. But a foolish man despises his mother. Same thing, brings grief to her, brings hurt to her. And listen, you've got to be a parent. Children, kids, you're not a parent yet, I understand. But you've got to be a parent to know what it feels like. Proverbs 23, 25, let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. It's the idea of, of coming up under them, doing what they ask you to do. Listen, can I say this to you? I got to know, I got to move on. But if you happen to be a parent, maybe you've already raised children or you're in the process of raising your children and you have the perfect compliant child, he or she just does everything that you want them to do and they just never gave you any trouble or whatever, I hate you. <laughs> no, I, I don't hate you. But, but, man, God bless you. Count your blessings if you've got children like that. But most of us know what it is to struggle with our children and, 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 and their sin nature just like we have a sin nature and their tendency towards rebellion just like we have that tendency towards rebellion. Children, you're, you're pleasing God when, you, when you're obedient to your parents, but it's also good for them. Give them a break. Give them a break. One more, real quick. Um, it's profitable for you. It, it really is in your best interest to uh, be obedient to your parents. It really is. Bill Cosby would say, yeah, this guy, I'm going to kill them if they don't act right. So, <laughs> but it, it's really profitable. And, and, and this, again, you would expect this because if it's pleasing to God, then it must be profitable for you. But it really is. When you 
place yourself under the leadership of your parents, when you're obedient to them, it is profitable for you to do that. And that's why Paul's telling you to do this. It's just in your best interest. Um, when I was, a, I think I was 10 years old, 9 or 10 years old, um, I was out playing in the neighborhood somewhere, and uh, you know, I grew up in a small town, and so y'all, this, this may sound strange to y'all, but I grew up in a small town, and my mom had a, uh, a big bell in our front yard. It was a, a dinner bell, is what it used to be called, a big dinner bell. Um, and uh, she would ring that bell when it was time for us to come home. It was dinner time. She would ring the bell, and you could hear that bell for, it seemed like, miles away. You knew it was time to come home. Uh, we didn't have cell phones. They couldn't page us, text us, or anything else. Um, they had to uh, ring the bell or uh, scream or something. So uh, one day I was out playing and uh, the bell rang and I knew it wasn't the normal time for the bell to ring uh, and come home and I don't remember what I was doing. I remember playing football or basketball or baseball or just playing army or whatever I was doing. But uh, I, I, I didn't want to go home. But the bell rang. So I go home and I get home and my dad says, get in the truck which was about all the explanation my dad ever gave, but, um, uh, but that's what he said, get in the truck. Now, I could have said, oh, Dad, I was out, I'm out playing, I was just, we're, we're down at the creek, we're doing this, or that. I, didn't, I don't want, I didn't do that, in light of the fact that he probably would have killed me if I had done that, but I didn't do that, I got in the truck, with only that explanation, and we drove uh, down to uh, Closest town that had any, it was West Palm Beach, Florida. Drove to West Palm Beach where there was a Honda dealership. And, and uh, we go in there, and next thing I know, my dad's rolling out a, a Honda Trail 70 motorcycle for me. I, I listen, this is the truth. It's, now, kids, do not attempt this at home or anything. It's not safe now. But back in the day, I guess you'd get away with this. We loaded that thing up in the truck. I rode it in the back of the truck all the way home. Just <laughs> love bugs in Florida and everything. I didn't care. Just <laughs> rode it all, all the way home. It was profitable for me to be obedient to my dad in that, in that situation. Now, I'm not telling you you're going to get a motorcycle, okay, if you're obedient to your parents. But I'm just telling you that, that this is always going to be in your best interest. Again, God's Word says this. My son, obey your father's commands and don't neglect your mother's instructions. Keep their words always in your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, their counsel will lead you. When you sleep, they will protect you. When you wake up, they will advise you. For their command is a lamp and their instruction a light. Their corrective discipline is the way to life. It will keep you from the immoral woman, from the smooth tongue of a promiscuous woman. This is in your best interest, girls and boys. Look at this one. Proverbs twenty twenty. He who curses his father or his mother, his lamp will go out. In time of darkness. There's no profit in this if you rebel against your parents. And uh, is there one more? Yeah. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is right, the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is a quote. We'll look at that. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you'll have a long life on the earth. Ephesians chapter 6. That's a quote of one of the Ten Commandments, of course which you can see in Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, honor your father and mother. How can you honor them? Be obedient to them. Then you will live a long life full in the land of the Lord your God is giving you. It's this, just this promise that God will be with you. It's for your profit if you do. Listen, boys and girls, 
Obedience is not an obsolete word. But it comes with the promises of God. It's pleasing to Him. It's good, helpful to your parents, and it is profitable for you. Thanks, Pastor. It may sound old-fashioned, but as we heard today, God doesn't make His decisions based on current trends, popularity polls, or market research. The expectations that He has for us as followers of Jesus, adult or child, are based on what is in our best interest. Children have a sin nature just like adults, so there will always be temptation to resist their parents' authority. But the child who is obedient to his or her parents honors God and their parents and brings God's blessing upon their own life. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.